0: I'd now like to read from Luke 2, verses 13 through 20, following the birth of Christ. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem. And see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, as we gather on this evening to remember your birth, May the words of my mouth, may the music of our hearts, may the prayers of our minds and lips give you glory and edify your people. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. It goes without saying that Christmas Eve is one of the three or four occasions in the Christian year with the highest worship attendance. You all here are number two out of four today. The Children's and Family Service outdraws this service a little bit, but not by much. So congratulations. Number two is okay. Most of us who preach and approach us, most of us who preach approach this day and these services with some degree of anticipation and perhaps a greater degree of intimidation. It never ceases to be both for me. And whether you are here out of deep faith, out of loyalty to someone you love, or out of a sense of hoping against hope for a word of hope, I am glad that you are here And we are glad that you are here. In Christian churches that follow the church calendar, nearly every service in which the church gathers at night is a service that is somber in mood, reflecting the commemoration of suffering and death for which the church has gathered. The longest night service, which we held a few evenings ago, we gather to acknowledge the difficulty of suffering in a season of joy. On Ash Wednesday, we gather to be reminded that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. On Maundy Thursday, when we gather, we gather on the night on which Jesus was betrayed. On Good Friday, when we gather, we sing, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? An Easter Vigil, when we gather awaiting but not yet experiencing the resurrection of Christ. But on this night, on Christmas Eve, things are different. We gather with a sense of rapt, beautiful wonder. Shakespeare once wrote, Such a deal of wonder is broken out within this hour that ballad makers cannot be able to express it. In contrast to all other services in which the church gathers at night on Christmas Eve, the sense of wonder is so pervasive that not even our most beautiful hymns and anthems, not even our gentlest harp, not even our most inviting soloists and congregational singing can express the sense of wonder. Christmas Eve almost begs to be silent. But the impossibility of expressing wonder has not stopped any of us, musicians, artists, biblical writers, preachers, teachers, and ordinary worshipers from across the centuries from seeking its expression. Here again, just a sampling of the words that we have heard read tonight with which biblical writers have expressed And the church has adopted to its hopeful use such a deal of wonder. From Genesis, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. From Isaiah, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. From Luke, Then said Mary unto the angel, How can this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Such a deal of wonder is broken out in this hour. One of my wife Maggie's fondest memories growing up was following the space program from her home in El Paso, Texas. One of her mother's brothers worked at NASA, and she and her family were invited to see two separate launches from Cape Canaveral. Ever since I have known her, I realized that she has known much more about the space program than I have. So a few weeks ago, when I saw an announcement of a commemoration Of the 50th anniversary of Apollo 8, sponsored by the National Air and Space Museum and held December 11th at the National Cathedral in a rare act of spousal good sense, (laughs) I ordered tickets and we attended. Watching this commemoration, I learned more about the space program than I had ever known throughout my life. We saw photos of the lunar landing, the spacewalk, the surface of the moon. We heard Apollo astronaut Jim Lovell recall the flight. We followed a transcript and listened to audio as the three astronauts read from Genesis 1 on Christmas Eve, 1968, 50 years ago this evening, and concluded with, God bless all of you, all of you. On the good earth. But something that caught my attention early in the commemoration were words written on the first, ba- first page of the nice booklet we received, written by the poet Arch- Archibald MacLeish. They were published in the New York Times on Christmas Day in 1968, one day after the reading of the creation story and the words of blessing from the astronauts. McLeish had written, to see the earth as it truly is, small and blue and beautiful, in that eternal silence where it floats, is to see ourselves as riders on the earth together. Brothers on that bright loveliness, In the eternal cold. Brothers who know now that they are truly brothers. Now acknowledging that MacLeish's language is less inclusive than the spirit of his words, what MacLeish reveals is that the wonder of the space shot to see the earth as it truly is, small and blue and beautiful, leads to a humility to see ourselves as riders on the earth, which in turn leads to a deeper awareness of human community, riders on the earth, together, together. My friends, I need not remind you that we are in need of such a dream and such community across our world today. Nearly every community we know or are involved in is being pulled and pulled and pulled toward dissolution. Corporate, ethnic, national, political Religious, familial, even the most intimate relationships we know are not immune from this strain and this pull. We need such a deal of wonder today. We need the reconciliation that it can create. Such wonder asks us, is it not possible for us to derive from the wonder of the event We remember this evening a humility, a humility that leads to community. Is it not possible for us to be so moved by the birth of Christ that we realize again or perhaps for the first time that we are riders on the earth together? Is it not possible for us to come to know now that we are truly brothers, truly sisters, truly family on this earth that is small and blue and beautiful. If a space shot can instill such a dream in the poet, can the birth of Christ do that for us The deal of wonder of which Shakespeare speaks comes from The Winter's Tale, which I am told is a rare romance in which the bard depicts something that does not happen often in human history, namely the repentance of a king, followed by the reunion, reconciliation, and forgiveness among all the citizens of the land. It is truly a story of the dream of a second chance. But its rarity does not lead Shakespeare to shrink back from expressing the hope for it. Perhaps the most important word in MacLeish's poem is the word now. Brothers who know now. They are truly brothers. Brothers. Another person whose, word, whose words appear in the Apollo commemoration booklet was a lesser-known figure than the astronauts or the famous poet, Margaret Hamilton, identified as lead flightware software design lead flight software designer for the Apollo program, described what it was like in the 1960s to work on that mission. Looking back, she said, we were the luckiest people in the world. There was no choice but to be pioneers. No time to be beginners. In many ways that are ironic, we in our day are likewise among the luckiest people in the world. For within our world today, the divisions across nations, peoples, races, religions, communities, and families seem so intense and so intractable that they leave us with no choice but to be pioneers. Pioneers in rebuilding relationships and communities that are fraying before our eyes And on our watch. Ours may be no time for beginners. But ours is a time for pioneers. For people who will let such a deal of wonder that has broken out in our world. In the birth of Christ. To lead us all. To seek the dream of a second chance. We have heard this dream before. The wolf shall lie down with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. It is a rare dream. It is a romantic dream. It barely breaks out in the halls of realism and cynicism in which we move. It invariably sounds like child's play in the places and palaces where Pharaoh and Herod reign. But the dream comes from such a deal of wonder that comes to us, the birth of a little child, a little child born even in Bethlehem who invites us to allow him to lead us in the dream. Will we accept his invitation to be pioneers, to be pioneers in his name in the small and blue and beautiful earth on which we have been placed as riders together?